All right, let's um let's start by by praying this morning. Lord God, uh, we do thank you for your word. We pray this morning that as we um, learn together, as we um, listen to you, that your voice would be clear to us, um, that you would take my words and you would make them make sense to people. Lord, we um, we have hearts that long to serve you and long to be more like you. We pray this morning that you would um, help each one of us um, to be transformed by your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, this morning we are um, having a, we're kind of continuing this series on demonstrating compassion, but I wanted to start with um, what comes to mind? I wonder what comes to mind for you when we say that word compassion. Um, and particularly this morning, like maybe there's a particular person that comes to mind when you um, hear that word. Maybe it's mum, maybe it's not. Um, other things that might come to mind, maybe it's about empathy. Maybe it's feeling of concern. Maybe you think of action, like feeding the hungry or caring for people who experience poverty. Maybe you think about um, being generous with time and money, it's about giving to other people. Maybe it's about meeting needs, maybe meeting the needs of other people, bringing comfort in times of grief and distress. I think it's all of these things, all kind of connected together. And in this series, we're kind of working through what it means for us as individuals and as a community to have this value of demonstrating compassion. This morning, we're continuing this series and um, David last week started by looking at some of the life circumstances of Paul. And Paul experienced a lot of suffering in his life and he found his comfort in God and in the prayer of, um, and support of um, his community. But he also recognised that this comfort he received wasn't just an end in itself. He received this comfort so that he could also offer it to others. God's compassion that was extended to Paul allowed Paul to draw on God's compassion to bless others. So we're going to build on that this morning as we think a bit further about how demonstrating compassion is connected to one of our other values here at Northern, deepening spirituality. So how might demonstrating compassion be a spiritual action? How might demonstrating compassion grow our faith and knowledge of God? That's what we're kind of thinking through this morning. So before we kind of unpack these questions too much, um, there's something that we have to address that I was thinking about this week. And we need to think about what we really mean by compassion. Because we know that helping others, showing care and concern, it isn't just a thing that people of faith do. There are compassionate people all over the community. You don't have to have faith in order to have compassion. In our society, compassion is a virtue. It's honoured. It's good for our reputation to be compassionate. It feels good to give to others. It feels good to be helpful. And there's a strong evidence base to support the idea that helping others is beneficial for our mental wellbeing. People in recovery are often recommended to um, help others as part of their own journey. But people have limits, don't they? We're happy to be compassionate when we're doing well, when it fits our schedule, when it doesn't hurt. We're also happy to be compassionate with those that we think are deserving. But everyone has a no-way group. If we're really honest, and I'm not going to ask you to share this, but we do, we have a no-way group. There's people that we would rather not help, people we avoid, people we don't 
understand or know quite how to connect with. Maybe people with an addiction, people with drug and alcohol issues, maybe greedy people, maybe people who just keep taking, maybe they, you find them hard to love. Impolite people, people who don't say thank you when you help them out. People with a criminal history. Who is it for you, if you're really honest? We worship a God who doesn't have limits on his compassion. This is one of the things that is a crucial ingredient for how we understand compassion and how it's connected to deepening spirituality. We have a compassionate God. And as we come to know him more and more, he's transforming our character through the Holy Spirit to be more like him. Compassion is part of the character of God. And when we look across the sweep of scripture, we see it again and again. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is how God reveals himself to Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. And throughout the Psalms, including the one that Leah read to us earlier, this description of God is a regular refrain. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. This is part of God's character, but these aren't just words that are attributed to God in praise. Words, these words describe God's actions, God's nature. Across the Old Testament, again and again, we kind of see God engaged with people in this cycle. He hears about their distress, he has compassion, and then he delivers them. He sees injustice, he's filled with compassion, and he acts. Compassion is part of who God is. Compassion is a response, and it leads to action. And we see this in Jesus, in God in flesh. Jesus hears or sees people in distress, and he has compassion, and he does something about that. I'm just going to get David to put up some slides so that you can see the passages as I'm kind of reading them through for you. Um, so in Matthew 9, 35 and 36, we read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. In Luke 7, this is 12 and 14, 12 to 14, there was a funeral procession was coming um, out of the town as he approached the village gate and a young man had died and he was the widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said, and then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then also in, um, in Matthew, Matthew 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. They may collapse on the way. And then also in Mark, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Jesus, moved with compassion, reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. The man was healed. As compassionate acts, we see that Jesus is he's teaching, he's listening, he's comforting, he's healing, he's feeding, he's raising people from the dead. There are countless actions that take Jesus 
um, that Jesus takes as a result of feeling compassion. Compassion doesn't necessarily describe the kind of action that's involved, but the heart behind it, the motivation, where it comes from. We often think about, and I, you know, it depends what, where your brain went to start with this morning. We think about compassion actions as meeting physical or emotional needs usually. And on the surface, this is definitely the case. But I think there's a bigger picture. When Jesus is healing people, he's restoring sight, he's healing leprosy, it's not just about physical well-being. These actions are also about restoring people to their community. Diseases were unclean and people were excluded from the community, were put into isolation. And it's an action that made sense for the preserving of the wellness of the whole of the community. But for that individual, for that person, they lost their relationships, they lost their community. So when Jesus is healing people, he's also restoring them to their community. He's restoring relationships. So for Jesus, compassion isn't just about the physical or emotional needs of people. It's about future security and justice and restoring shalom. Restoring shalom. I don't know whether you guys have talked about shalom much as a word. Um, shalom is a Hebrew word that loosely translates as peace. It's often translated in our Bibles as peace. But conceptually, it's much more encompassing. One scholar I read this week um, defined shalom as a picture of community, a life in relationships in which things are the way they're supposed to be. Humans living in harmony and delight with God, each other and the world. People living lives characterised by love, justice and faithfulness. Doesn't that sound good? When we take this view of compassion, our compassion extends not just for people we like or people we know, not just for people who treat us with respect, but we learn to love the broken, the hurting, the unlovely. And loving the unlovely can take us to places that are pretty uncomfortable for us. As followers of Jesus, though, we're called to have this character. We're called to be and to continue to become people of compassion. And being compassionate isn't natural. It's not normal. Otherwise, there wouldn't be anyone in need in our world at all. And we don't become more compassionate just by willing it to be so. It's a little bit like patience. I don't know if you've ever tried to be more patient, but it's hard when you just say, just going to be more patient. Um, compassion's the same way. We can't, we can't become more compassionate just because we decide we want to. It's important to decide that, but it's not the only thing. It takes practice. It takes training. And it starts with spending time with Jesus. Jesus is the best compassionate person. And so as we spend time with him and we learn from him, in the way that he lives his life and he goes about his work, we see and we are transformed as people who are starting to become compassionate. And then we build on that with our own kind of training. Compassion is a combination of deep love for others, empathy, patience and presence. And demonstrating compassion, us putting this into, into action, starts with presence and leads to restoration. So if we're thinking about training, we're thinking about being equipped for compassion, a good place um, for us to start is to see people the way that God sees them. 
we learn this um, through reading and hearing about the way that Jesus saw people. And through prayer, we ask God to help us see people as his creation, as made in his image, as precious first. When we approach others, what happens when we approach others believing that they are precious is that it changes our ability and our desire to be present with them. It changes how we listen to them. It changes what we ask. And this kind of love comes from the Holy Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength or in our willpower. Loving people is hard. Um, we can be difficult sometimes. <laughs> it's very interesting having your husband Ooh. next to you while you say that. <laughs> Don't look at the person that you find it hard to love. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> um, compassionate acts for us aren't a duty or an obligation. Compassionate acts flow out of a heart and a character that is set towards love and grace and justice. And this is God's transforming work in us. As we grow in being like Jesus, we will grow in our compassion. Just get David to show you this slide. As I was working through this this week, kind of kept coming around to this place like, oh, I just feel like I'm speaking circularly. I think it's a circle. Um, so I think it is. I think part of where we get to is that knowing Knowing God, as we come to know God, we transform our thinking and our perception and the way that we see other people. And that grows our compassion and our grace and our desire to help. And then we take this step and we actually do something with that. We don't just feel compassion, we actually take a step and we do something. And then as we do that action, um, God grows our faith. So compassionate action doesn't start with us deciding to do something good for someone else. It starts with the decision to listen to someone, to their concerns, their pain, and be present with them in that. And then figure out what you might do. It may be simple. This, this is a person without a friend. I could be that friend. This is a person without warm clothes on a winter's day. I could give them a jacket. But it might be more complicated. This is a person who's disconnected from their family and they're grieved about that. This isn't easy. We can love them where they are. We can listen to their grief. We can pray. And you know what? Tell them that you plan to pray. Ask them if that's all right. Um, very few people, even people without a faith, will say no to that. They'll say, very few people will say no to prayer. For us, compassion is about restoring right relationships and bringing wholeness, not just alleviating need. So I want you to think about this this week. How can you demonstrate compassion to each person that you talk with this week? With isolation, there's probably, it's probably few people. <laughs> so there's more time to think about um, what you want to do with each person. And so this is kind of, kind of want to talk about that last link between when we do something, how does that actually deepen our faith? Oh, look at that. That last little arrow there between there. It's like technology. It's amazing. Look at that. Um, how do we demonstrate compassion? And through that action, um, God grows our faith and deepens our understanding for him. This isn't necessarily something that we plan for. Um, it's kind of something that, that happens, but as we start to be present with people, we tend to pray a bit more. And as we 
Um, and the more that we see people, the more that we realise that we can't help them in our own strength. And the more that we press into God to help us help others, the more likely we are to go somewhere uncomfortable for us. And in places of uncertainty, God grows our faith. I want to give you an example because I feel like that's easier to kind of explain this. A few years ago, one of my close friends and I were having a conversation about compassion and caring for people in the world. And one of the things that um, kept coming up for us was that we struggled with people on the streets who were asking for money. Is it more compassionate to give them money or not? What, what should we do in this space? What would Jesus do in this space? The difficulty that we had was that while giving money might be useful and helpful, it wasn't really about relationship. And in that, in thinking that through, we both realised that though there were quite a high number of people experiencing homelessness in our city, we didn't know any, not personally. We felt like that was probably not okay. So we decided that we would look for and pray for some opportunities to build relationships. And it wasn't long before her husband found out that there was a group opening up church halls overnight in winter for people who were sleeping rough, um, just to have a place that was safe for the night to sleep. And they were looking for volunteers to kind of be present in that space. If you ask me now, I'd tell you that that was the easiest volunteering I've ever done. It really, it really was. But that first night that I went to a building that I'd been to once before, to volunteer alongside two others that I'd never met before. For safety reasons, the space was only open to men. So um, it occurred to me as I was driving there on my, on my way that I was about to go and sleep on the floor of a building that I'd never been to or been to once with nine men that I'd never met before. <laughs> um, I was uncomfortable. I prayed. But you know what? It was fine. I prayed a lot every time I went. And initially that was for my safety. But it didn't take long before that prayer was more about how best to be a safe person for the guys that were coming as guests. I prayed that God would help me be present and to listen. And not just to the words that were said, but what they meant. And I learned some really helpful things. Um, as I listened to these guys, I remember one night, one of the men was particularly thankful for the space. Um, and then he told me that, one of the things that he really cherished about this place was just the freedom to go to the bathroom whenever he wanted. Um, and he was telling me that where, where he lived, where he stayed, usually um, if you get up and leave, you have to either take all of your stuff with you, which means you might lose your spot, um, or you risk having stuff stolen while you, while you leave. And you definitely wouldn't do that at night. So it was such a blessing to him to be in a space where he could just go to the bathroom whenever he wanted. And one of the other guys came in um, one night, I remember, and he um, asked very politely if it would be okay if he took his shoes off. And um, I was like, yeah, of course you can take your shoes Like, of course take your shoes off. And um, he said, oh, but, uh, they, I'm a bit worried that they smell. I was like, that's okay. Um, they did. They did really smell. Um, but it was all right. Like, it was comfortable. And as he kind of talked about that, he said, oh, I just, I never get to take my shoes off. It's not safe for me to walk around where I normally stay without shoes on, so I don't take them off. These were things that um, I never really thought about before. 
going to the bathroom, taking your shoes off, feeling like you're welcome. These were things that mattered. They weren't the things that I had thought would matter. In fact, I'm a bit embarrassed to say there were things that hadn't even occurred to me. But I learned these things from being present, from listening, and it challenged me about what I found as normal and what, what I saw as blessings. In the end, this experience cost me comfort one night a month. But it changed my understanding and my empathy forever. And I got to know some really interesting people. Um, they taught me about um, rugby league as we watched the State of Origin together. Um, one of the guys had spent a lot of time in Queensland and he was a big Queensland supporter. I don't know if rugby league actually makes the pay in Victoria. It probably doesn't. But um, it was very important to the guys and uh, they taught me all about it. They were horrified that I didn't know about rugby league. Um, the guys were rough around the edges, definitely, absolutely. They'd all experienced different difficulties and they had different battles. Some of them were desperately seeking public housing and others really wanted to stay on the streets for various reasons. But each one of them, when you got past the rough edges, they had a beautiful soul. Each of those guys was created by God and loved by him. And I could be a person that listened to them. It seems small, but it changed my thinking about giving money to people on the street in two ways. If I had money, I would give it. But more importantly, I would acknowledge them. I would have a chat. I would ask how their day was. I would listen. And I have to say, this isn't something I'm perfect at. Still now, if I am busy and on my way to somewhere, I, I have to really be challenged to stop and have a chat. And you know what? I'm just going to be late because talking to this person is important. It's a constant growing lesson to me. I'm not telling you this story because I'm good at it. I'm telling you this because um, it's something that I'm learning and I, I want to keep learning it. It wasn't my intention, but God grew my compassion and also grew my faith as I stepped into being present with people that I wouldn't normally be. We're all in different places um, when it comes to demonstrating compassion. Um, I'll just get David to put up the response slide for you. Um, some of us this morning might be in a place where we, we want to be compassionate. We really do. Uh, but people can just be so irritating, can't they? Um, some people are really hard to love. So if that's you, I think start, start by praying for someone that you find hard to love, someone that irritates you, someone that um, you don't understand. And don't pray for them to, to change, like, oh, God, please make them easier to love. Um, pray for them to be blessed, for them to do well in life. When we um, change our heart, when we change our prayer, it grows a soft heart in us. It prepares us for compassionate action. Or maybe we feel compassion, but we are paralysed when it comes to putting that into action. We see and we know that God is compassionate and we want to follow him. Um, but when we look, the need is too great. The suffering is too deep. The problem is too big. We don't know how to make a difference. So start small. Who is one person or one group of people that you feel compassion for? What's one thing that you can do? Just one. And do it.
or maybe this morning um, you can see a way to help. You know what you could do, but um, that's uncomfortable. Maybe it's um, maybe you're more than happy to help someone that's convenient and it's comfortable. So what are we willing to put aside for someone else? Am I willing to stop and be late for another meeting or be late for something else I've booked in in order to have a conversation with someone who matters, who matters to Jesus? So take some time this week to be present with someone, even if it's inconvenient. Really listen to them. Or perhaps this morning you feel like you're pretty good at compassion. You see people, you help them, you aren't looking for anything in return. But maybe the part that's that's you struggling with is how is this a spiritual action? So this morning I want to ask how, how are we engaging with God's vision for compassion as we um, go about helping and listening and being present with others? Are we just seeking to take actions that make us feel good and that meet a need? Or are we also seeking to bring restoration? Are we desiring that picture of shalom, a community, a life in relationships in which things are the way they're supposed to be? This week, if that's you, before you take action to help someone, pray about how those actions are contributing to restoration and um, bringing right relationships to bring justice and wholeness for that person. I'm just going to pray and I'm going to give you some time to sit with those, um, those kind of different actions and um, where you sit this morning. Lord God, we thank you that you are a compassionate and gracious God and that you are compassionate and gracious with us. We know that we don't, um, do things perfectly, we know that we don't get things right. And even in this um, space of demonstrating compassion, we um, long to be more like you. God, we pray that this week you would help us take one step to be um, being more compassionate, becoming increasingly compassionate. God, would you soften our hearts? Would you transform our perspective? Would you... Um, place actions and opportunities before us to step into, would you deepen our faith? God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.